Well, good morning, everybody. So my name is Jason, and if I have not met you before, I am a pastor apprentice here at Crosswinds Church. And I just want everybody here to know that whether you are black or white, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, or anything else, just so long as you are alive and you are hearing this, I want you to know that God loves you. Dedication, follow through, and reward. These three principles are what each and every single one of us needs to know to look at when it comes to when we make a New Year's resolution. Happy New Year, by the way! <laughs> January 1st, 2023. It's official. That's it. That's today. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? Today is the day that so many of us are starting our New Year, New Me goals, right? But before any of us go out there and start it, I want all of us to take a minute, all right? So everyone, go ahead. I want you all to close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about your New Year's resolution. Go ahead and think hard. Do you see what your goal is? Now I want you to hold on to it. Now, I want you to think about why you want that goal. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about your why? Excellent. Now everyone go ahead and open up your eyes. I've got some news for you. If your why did not include God in it, then according to studies, 91% of you and the rest of the world by this time next year will have failed in those New Year's resolutions. And that is a really sad statistic to start off on. And it's kind of sad to, to start a message like that. But the nice part is, is I do have some good news. <laughs> Remember those three principles? And I'm sure you're saying, well, yeah. If I dedicate myself to this goal, and I have the proper follow-through, then I'm going to reap my reward and stick with my resolution. Well, that's not what those three principles really mean. In fact, do you see where the problem lies? Let's look at this sentence again. If I dedicate myself to this goal and I have the proper follow-through, I'm going to reap my reward and stick with my resolution. Boy, howdy, that's a lot of I sentences. And honestly, that's the problem with our New Year's resolutions. We're putting so much pressure on ourselves and all the motivation is being done for the wrong reasons. I'm going to give you an example of my own here. As many of you know, I've been on a weight loss journey since about March of last year. And as of last Tuesday, I can tell you that I'm down 78 pounds. Now this
not the first time I've lost this much weight. In fact, I've actually lost over 100 pounds before. Now, just before I met my first wife, I went on a weight loss journey, and I lost about 104 pounds. Now, why did I do this? Uh, because I wanted to win the heart of my best friend at the time. Now, the woman I ended up marrying was not that friend, but I ended up gaining all of that weight back and more the moment the, that my best friend exited my life. Why? Because my motivation was gone. It had exited my life completely. And then every other time I tried to lose weight, it was again for the wrong reasons. I wanted to look good. I wanted to, uh, but then I'd get disheartened at the fact that I had to look at myself in the mirror and I'd eat to drown those sorrows because I wasn't losing weight fast enough to look good. Or I'd try to lose weight to look better for my partner at the time. And again, that motivation wasn't good enough because any time they weren't showing me an increased amount of affection, then it felt like I had no reward. But then a very wise woman told me something, that if I gave everything over to God, just like I had with other things that I had struggled with, then God could help me with this too. Now, I won't lie, I didn't understand that piece of advice right away until I found my motivation to live a long life in ministry in order to serve God. So how was I going to achieve that goal? By getting healthy. And to get healthy meant I had to lose weight. Now my motivation had changed and God was behind it. And those of you who have been around, you've seen what a change that's been in my life. But this isn't about me. This isn't about losing weight or any of that. Today is about how God has had a plan for even this part of our lives. When we want something to change. So today, we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study here. So if you've got your Bibles here or you got your apps, I want everybody to go back to the uh, book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. But don't read just yet, because there's some history I want to get back to first. So, what's the history? Well, you see, in the book of Samuel, there's this woman, and her name is Hannah. Now, Hannah is a very special woman. For you see, she is the wife of Elkanah, and he's a Levite. Uh, and she's not his only wife. In fact, she's one of two wives, and she's the favored wife. She's the wife that is most loved. If, uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Rachel with uh, Joseph back in Genesis, actually. And just like Rachel, she was barren, was not having any children. And she didn't want just one child either. She wanted to be a mother so much, she wanted many children. And she was a woman of faith. She had married a Levite. She was 
in this tribe of priests. So every year with her husband, she would make sure to go up to Shiloh where the tabernacle was and she would pray to God and she would do the sacrifices with her husband and she would do everything that a woman of faith was supposed to do. And then she would even go out of her way to do more than just that. You see, one night she gets down on her knees when everybody else had been drinking and feasting and doing all of this. She did not join them. She got down on her knees and she started to pray. She prayed with all of her heart, so hard that her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out. In fact, the head priest at the time, Eli, was so worried about her and thought she was drunk that he actually approached her and was like, hey, uh, I'm sorry, Hannah, you have got to leave the temple. You are not in a state to be in here. And she told him, look, I'm sorry, but that, that's not why I'm here. I'm not drunk. I'm just so concerned that, honestly, I needed to pray. He's like, okay. And while she's praying to God, she ends up dedicating her firstborn child, if God would just grant her the gift of being a mother. Now, her firstborn child would automatically be dedicated to God because she's a Levite. From the ages of 30 to 50, he would serve as a priest. So she's dedicating his entire life from birth to death to be a Levite, not just from the time that would be required. And she goes one step further. He will be a Nazarite. Nothing, no wine will touch his lips. No razor will touch his head. She is going above and beyond dedicating her child. So this is much bigger of a dedication. And then we have to look at who Samuel is now. For you see, this is the book of Samuel. But by chapter 9 of 31, and technically 55 if you count both books, Samuel is a background character. He's barely ever mentioned. After that, it's Saul and David who become the main two characters of this book. So why is it the book of Samuel? I mean, well, first off, Samuel writes most of these two books until his death. And then Gab and Nathan are going to finish it off for him. But more importantly is who Samuel becomes to Israel, to Saul, and to David. He is their spiritual advisor. He has been dedicated to the Lord so much 
And he is so faithful that he is able to lead Israel out of all of this. And basically, he's just a pretty important dude. So what we're going to look at here is second or first Samuel chapter two, verses 18 through 21. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. I love these three verses so much because they show the three principles I talked about earlier. Dedication, follow-through, and reward in three very simple verses. We see the dedication that Samuel has. From a small little boy, he's dedicated to the Lord. And even before that, dedicated from birth. And in fact, his mother Hannah was so dedicated to all of this that she was actually the first step. And that is the first step that we have to take as well. When we have a goal that we want to set for ourselves, we have to dedicate it to the Lord. If God is not a part of that goal, it's ultimately going to be doomed to fail. Because we are not going to get anywhere with out God's help and without his strength. If our goal is for this world, then this world will fail us because it always has. From Genesis to Revelation, we see how this happens. The Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve decided to be of this world and partake of the fruit because their temptation decided to get better of them. The Tower of Babel, when people thought that they could be better than God. Samson and Delilah, when the temptation of a woman got the better of Samson. And even Peter, when he denied Jesus, when his own fear got the better of him. However, when our goal is for God, we also see great things happen. The walls of Jericho falling down. God deemed that those walls would fall down so long as Israel was faithful. And when they did exactly what God said, walking around those walls seven times, those walls fell down. The town of Nineveh becoming saved just from one man, Jonah, walking up and delivering a message. And then the healing of lepers and casting out of demons all throughout the New Testament, not just by Jesus, but also by those who Jesus sent out as well. It's amazing what our dedication can do so long as God is behind it, when God is that focus. Now, of course, we can't just 
dedicate it to God. There still has to be the next step because God is not always the one to do all of the work. Sometimes he will, but not all the time. There is some follow-through as well. After all, let's look at what Hannah did to get to this point in this story. First, she prayed to God. Remember, so hard that words didn't even come out through her lips, even though they were moving. And then, second, she spoke to others about what she was doing and speaking to the Lord. But she wasn't exactly specific about it. When she spoke to Eli, she said, I am a woman troubled in spirit. She didn't say, hey, I'm praying to God for a child. She just said, I am troubled in spirit and I am seeking guidance from the Lord. That is what she was doing ultimately, seeking guidance. Lord, guide me towards what you want. Third, after her birth, she weaned Samuel before his dedication so that he would have no reason to need to come back home. There was going to be nothing that Hannah would have to do as a mother after that weaning. The temple would take him, and that's it. There would be no need for her breast milk. There would be no need for her motherly spirit there. There would be no need for that. She fully dedicates him and follows through with her promise, saying, Lord, I am keeping the promise that I made to you. Because that's just as important. We can't make a promise to God and then break it. We've seen how that happens. The Garden of Eden is, again, a perfect example. Lord, we promise not to eat the fruit. They eat the fruit, they get kicked out. And then fourth, when she was ready to dedicate Samuel, she brought sacrifice with her, a lot of it. Not just what was necessary. She brought a whole bull, ephod's worth of flour, this was more than what Leviticus would have necessa uh, deemed necessary. And then fifth, right here we see in verse uh, 18 or 20, that yearly she continued to visit the temple and she would make a robe for Samuel. She continued to provide the need for Samuel so that way the temple would not have to provide the clothing for him. That was part of her tithing. That was part of her still providing without having to have that connection. But why? Because Hannah needed to show God that she was a woman of her word. That her faith in God was not fleeting, that she wasn't some fair-weather fan. Because it's so easy in our lives to 
praise God when he's doing these great things for us, to be there. And then all of a sudden, when times get tough, say, God's not there for us, but not Hannah. Year after year, she followed through and she continued to praise God. And think about it. How many trials and tribulations we face year after year? And Hannah surely faced just as many year after year. And yet she continued to have that faith in God that he would continue to provide everything. And then we get to the next little bit, the reward. God rewarded her with Samuel and then many other children as well. The priest Eli would bless Hannah and Elkanah every single year. And the nice part is that he would bless them by the faith that Hannah showed. That's amazing. That it is the faith that was showed. But it was the Lord, however, that visited Hannah, not just once, not twice, but ultimately five times to give her many children. And she was granted the reward of being a mother like she had prayed for. Now, God gave Hannah exactly what she wanted because that's what she needed. In order to be a mother, you need a child. Now, God doesn't always give us exactly what we want, but he will always provide us with what we need. And this is very important because let's take a great example. If your New Year's resolution is to be a more patient person, then God will provide you the opportunity to show patience, which probably means you're going to face a trial or a tribulation where you are going to have to calm yourself and show patience. And then God will provide you a little bit of patience. So uh, parents with uh, rebellious teenagers, have fun. <laughs> But God can also grant us other things. He didn't grant me the ability to just shed weight. He granted me willpower. But I still had to show that I could say no. I could have easily shunned that gift. He grants other people strength, courage, guidance. Or sometimes it's just as simple as a reminder right at the right time of why you're doing things. And that's what he provides. That is the gift of our Lord. For you see, the sentence that we really should be saying, instead of all of those I statements earlier, is this. 
if I dedicate myself to God and I show him that I am following through on how he has guided me, then surely the Lord will be gracious and grant me the rewards of what I need. That's what we need to think of when we actually make our New Year's resolution. For you see, God has been planning everything from the start. He's given us all these great things so that one day he can say to us what he said during the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That is so much of what we strive for. In fact, I remember talking with Andre one day. And it's those very words that he said propel him. And it's amazing how much inspiration that that was even able to give me. And I can remember that even when I'm having a hard time. That it's not always about us getting what we want, but about us being faithful and serving God so that we can be the good and faithful servant. Because the kingdom of heaven is ultimately our reward for that. And that's a much better reward than anything he can grant us here on earth. Because eventually we do get our reward over much. And it all starts with giving everything to God and looking at his word for how he wants us to get there. This is but one piece of the puzzle. One breadcrumb on the trail to his ultimate purpose. If you look back in the Bible, and then look forward in it, and you'll see the rest all laid out. Everything comes together in God's plan in Jesus. For you see, Jesus knew all the scripture. And the reason that I chose that this part of the Bible to focus on, like I said, is because those three verses have those three principles in it. Whereas, really, you'd have to go through the whole gospel to show what Jesus did, which is really a journey everybody should take, but is not possible in an hour. And I was told I should only take an hour. <sighs> But, all right, let's just take a look at the cliff notes instead. Jesus, from his birth, is dedicated to God. And then Jesus makes sure to dedicate what he is doing throughout the entire way to God. I mean, how many times does Jesus say and reference his father in the works that he is doing? It's a lot. Jesus is saying it frequently, nearly constantly. And that's how he follows up. He goes out and continues to do the will of his father over and over again. Jesus shows this world God's 
plan for them. And Jesus shows this world how their sin has led them into a state of brokenness and how he has come to lead them out of it. How he is the God's good news of this world. That all we need to do is just turn and believe in him. Then on that fateful night, when he knew that it was about to be his time, Jesus followed through yet again. He prayed to the Lord for strength to bear through what was about to come. Because he knew it was going to be a lot. He knew it was going to be the worst thing he was going to have to endure. And the Lord heaped upon Jesus all the strength that he had. So much so that Jesus not once lashed out against those who were tormenting him. Not once did he beg for mercy. Instead, he endured it all and he died on that cross, making sure to forgive all of our sins before he passed away. And then Jesus made sure to rise up from the dead three days later to prove that what he had endured for wasn't for nothing. That what he went through had meaning that he truly did have the power to forgive because of who he is. And he pointed us back to God's plan and continues to point us back to God's plan so long as we believe in what Jesus did for us on that cross. So if you are sick and tired of having failed resolutions, and if you're sick and tired of being part of that 91% that fail in them, then once more I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Once more, I want you to envision your resolution that you've made. Now this time I want you to ask yourself, how can you put your motivation into God? How can you dedicate this resolution to Him? And how can you make it for His kingdom. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for dying for us on that cross. Lord, if there is somebody here that is struggling with their resolution, change, Lord, I just ask that you help them Help them to see how that resolution is for your will and for your plan. Lord, help them to see how it can be for the benefit of your kingdom. And Lord, if there is somebody here who has never known you, if there's somebody here who has never known your love, Lord, I ask that you reach out to them. Lord, I ask that you, you touch their heart and you open them to your kingdom because you are a good father, one that welcomes everybody in, no matter who they are, no matter what state they're in. And you bring them into an everlasting love. And Lord, if they would welcome your presence, 
I hope that they'll make that decision to follow you today, Lord. And we just ask all of this in your mighty name. Amen.